0: To Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer with Gene Galvin and me. I am Maria Corelli. We are recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience here in Folk School Coffee Parlor of Ludlow, Kentucky. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen. It is Judge Jerry! Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> up there. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Can you. <laughs> you hear us up there? Yeah. Okay, good. Great. Oh, man.
2: Hey, by the way, yes. um, you know this movement that started a few months ago, Rock Jerry's Face, and there's a website, <laughs> rockjerrysface.com. No, tell us about it. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and for those who are new to this, the concept is there's a group of people who are trying to get Jerry's Face chiseled into the granite of Mount Rushmore. There are four presidents up there. And uh, for a while, I kind of thought... They have commercials out. I ran the commercials on this, the, on our show. And then I sat down one day and really thought it through. Oh? I thought, I thought <laughs> that's a stupid idea. There are four Welcome to iconic <laughs> presidents who are on Mount Rushmore. Right. And who in the idea? hell are we? No, it wasn't my idea. I'm going to say it was my idea. Yeah. It was an idea that whose time had come. But now I think face
1: chiseled into Mount Westmore. What happened was there were a couple of mobsters that came by and said, "We're going to put you in a mountain, baby." Yeah, but not exactly. Yeah, but you were thinking they meant. Yeah. No, they were going to chisel me up and put me underground. I hear you. Oh, goodness! So anyway, I heard one of my songs. I've shut then
2: all that down. <laughs> You've shut it down. I shut it down. So if you There's see no chance anymore. No, if you see any more even mere mention of that, that's uh, outside of an injunction. Did that the government, government make you
1: shut it down? Uh, this, I, this is a this national a, monument. This is and it. you were suggesting. Let's tell it like it is. Okay. Tell this was it. your idea. <laughs> okay. There's yeah, not yeah, another yeah. human on earth.
2: Okay. that's that
1: my idea. It was your idea, and now I you pretended bad?
2: that it was a movement. You pretended it. I produced some commercials. I I did a lot. Lot of things, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I created a website. (laughs) How many?
1: (laughs) Now here's I something. did some things. How many? How many people actually signed the petition yeah, probably, to have my about face 10 Not 10, ten people. The United yeah. States of America has 320 million people. 320 <laughs> million people. Million. We, didn't totally. we didn't get all them. And we didn't get all them. Not about ten. Ten people, about people that thought it was a good maybe idea. Maybe eleven. My face <laughs> might, on
2: Mount be, might be underplaying a <laughs> little yeah, bit. Yeah, we got thousands of emails about it. Yeah, really, really. And I was like, oh,
1: This is out of control.
2: You know what I'm saying? But it was all basically, and I don't cuss, it was basically bullshit, you know, It was basically what it was. <laughs> you but anyway, I've shut it down, so everybody can calm down, uh, FBI, calm down, yeah. just everybody Whoa. just chill.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, you know, uh, you, you have a new show coming out, yeah. uh, Judge Jerry, yeah. and we talk about that plenty here, and yep. we're kind of cross-promoting, because they, yeah. they promote the hell out of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. Once how it airs,
1: of- though. Yeah, yeah, you'll be on Judge Jerry a lot because you'll be sued like I'll hell. I'll be being sued, <laughs> sued a lot.
2: Yeah, and I was with some people uh, at a party recently, and they were that came up, and that people were talking about like I, a guy that I know actually had a small claims case. Somebody sued him in the local Greater Cincinnati area, and uh, he talked through how the process went. We were all sort of sitting around talking about looking forward to your show and variously assessing your skills to be a judge. I might <laughs> how did say that? Just go? variously. <laughs> there were you know, varied comments. No, actually it went well. Hey, by the way, you've got this new show going. I started a venture in the last yes, number of us. months. Yes, yeah. Going down. I'm going to be a little oblique about where it is because it, it, it's personal business to some guys, but... I teach in a prison I volunteer and I went in with this idea it's one of the prisons in the Kentucky system and I go there weekly and first of all let me say I love it I love it and and I will also say the place is very well run I have no I'm not going in there to cause any trouble to anybody but what I am doing is what is called paideia seminars p-e-i-d-e-i-a and it is a concept all over the country in certain places. <clears throat> it's the Socratic method. You right. study the Socratic method in, in law work. school. Yeah. So the Paideia method, and very quickly grew out of a notion of a guy named Mortimer Adler, a modern philosopher, who said poor kids, both rural and urban, get screwed. They get the boiled down curriculum, and they should get the same curriculum the kids from wealthy suburban districts and private schools get, which is hard analysis of primary text so you go in with i started with a declaration of independence we yep. have done the gettysburg address we're about to do next week to althea from prison a poem richard Lovelace, mid 1600s so you go in with these original things and you read them and explicate them so it's very clear what the text says and then the leader, that would be me, asked gray questions, not black and white que- questions, right. but gray questions to probe everybody to think this through and talk it through. But here's what's unique about it. Around my table are guys who are African-American, Caucasian, Native American, uh, young, old, uh, Educations are range from virtually no education to master's degrees. Hmm. These are these inmates' <clears throat> backgrounds. Yeah. Check it out. Today we spent a bunch of time analyzing based on reading <clears throat> Declaration of Independence, Gettysburg Address, the struggle over what is America. Right. How the hell did America start? Now, real fast, ponder this. Some people came over from England looked at this land, saw only the eastern seaboard, and said, it's our land. Now let's figure out how we're going to govern. Yeah. Well, some might say, who the hell did they think they were that they get to say how we're going to govern this land when there were millions, not thousands, millions of indigenous people already living here. Right. In a loosely connected confederation of tribes. Then there were African slaves by the thousand in 1776 brought here. So we're sitting around this table trying to figure out why did it start that way? And when you then read the Gettysburg Address, that jumps forward to mid-1800s, 1860s, and you have another bite at the apple with Abraham Lincoln saying, When they said what they said in the founding papers, they should have meant we're all free. He still ignored indigenous people. Yep. So we got into this conversation today. Imagine this with people who are incarcerated for a variety of offenses and nobody digs in anybody's business, but this is a prison where there are people who have done a lot of really dark things, some of whom are never going to get out and we're analyzing the nature of man yeah. is man. That is great. By instincts, caring, good, sharing, loving, or is man by instinct, dark, competitive, combative, bullying? Hmm. What is the nature of man? Holy crap. And I was joking with these guys. We're all saying, dude, look, we're sitting in a freaking prison analyzing that. And they are have done various things. And, boy, I got to tell you, as things poured out, there was recognition of, you know, various things, various yeah. life experiences of these guys. Next week, we're going to read their reading for homework, quote, to Althea from prison, 1600s, a guy gets thrown into prison by a British king, by the parliament, actually, on a political crime in the famous last verse is, stone walls do not a prison make nor iron bars a cage and it goes on from there yeah. now imagine i'm really looking forward to that and i told him that's what this is about but imagine yeah. talking to guys
1: who really are about yeah. what
2: is incarceration can you incarcerate because this is the theme of the poem somebody's spirit or somebody's love he wrote this to a woman a girlfriend yeah. of his and I'm sitting there thinking, man, I like it the mother load of intellectual lift of a, of yeah. a very interesting teaching situation.
1: That's great. It, wow. it is. I, I'm just is telling really you, I'm,
2: I'm going on about it because yeah. it, it's ending up being way cooler than I even thought it would be. That is great. Because I didn't know what guys would say, whether there would be candid conversation or whether there would be some scraps between yeah. uh, people around the group because it's so diverse and it's all exactly the way it's supposed to be. Hmm. And it, I'll end on this. It proves Mortimer Adler's thesis. That anybody from any economic class with any background can experience this intellectual lift. And you do not take people from, quote, lower classes and say, all they can do is this crap. Give them yeah. this crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is the point. When I contacted the National Pideo Organization, they said... We don't have anybody doing this in a prison. You're now right. our experiment. So I'm gonna feed them back everything that I'm that wow. saying great, here. Good for you.
1: I mean, well, really, yeah, I great. appreciate no, it. it but, is. Yeah.
2: But I'm getting way more out of it than uh, what I'm putting into so it. When so when you go
1: into prison, this is this will be good <laughs> education for you.
2: Yeah. When I go on the Jerry Springer. <laughs> judge show and get tossed into prison over yeah. some
1: lawsuit. After
0: being sued by me.
1: By Maria, yeah. then I'll go in there. No, but this is great because honestly on a serious note, this is so consistent with your whole career because you started alternative schools in the Cincinnati area mm-hmm. where they co-opted your system, brought you into the system <coughs> to run it. Always taking kids out of people out of the mainstream. Yeah, that's actually true. Yeah, and bring um, And it's totally—it's a straight line. You never deviated yeah. from it. a good for you.
2: But I, but I, I will say this is—I uh, don't know if this is the most important. Uh, this is the coolest thing. The, the, it feels just so interesting, and it's you know about an hour and a half down, hour and a half back, and I drive home just. I come home and sit down with my wife and say, oh, you ought to hear you know, this and that. And I, I'm starting to, uh, you know, as an educator, you just, you love your students. I, yeah. I don't care w- what happened back then, whatever got you here, that's none of my, that's, that's back then. Today is when you walk in the door. And that is yeah. how educators do it. Yep. And, uh, but it's very cool. One last thing on going into this uh, system. I am talking to people there about, and I've talked to Casey about it, and I wanted to bring it up to you, Maria. They told me that they had a program in this particular institution recently of a bunch of classical musicians and Mm -hmm. opera singers who came in and performed. And I'd like, and I've already brought it up to one of the officials of how can we get a conversation going of some people that I know from this podcast? that I have come to know from this podcast. Maria Corelli would be one of those. Yeah. To go in and to do an evening, you know, hour-to-hour show for the inmates of music. And I was wow. thinking of you, and I was thinking of Casey and various configurations, whether it's Buffalo Wobbs, Price or oh, yeah. Hustle, whether it's Crystal or- Peterson and
0: that would be you awesome. guys. Yeah. Well, yeah, but- I mean,
2: it's
1: Johnny Cash, Folsom Prison. Yeah, Yeah.
0: yeah. Merle Haggard. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'd go so, too, but I, they wouldn't let me out. No. <laughs> uh, and and I'm also they
2: they do they have asked they, they because they know that I do this show with you. And kidding aside, they love your show. You in that setting, you know. People but I think love the, the jerry the Springer show.
1: prison system would even though I'm a judge now, yeah well, i'm going to see if it, that prison, changes anything. The prison system is not gonna
2: well, you know coming. what you know what they they're afraid of they're afraid it's a trust issue of us, including maybe myself as a as the producer of it that that there's some other agenda that once there it would turn into something that's kind of crazy and goofy and yeah. not what they hmm. want when in fact, if you were to go in, you would talk about good stuff and uh elevating stuff and uh, motivating things. Yeah, no we'll play that out. That that yeah. still may come to you, but I You love, would take an interest in doing yeah, something to go I in and I
0: think that's a great idea. Okay.
2: So we'll we'll continue to talk about that. Yeah. Right? And then we'll I, and I'll start a conversation with them to see if that's uh possible. Awesome. Um anyway, it's it's just it's very uh very I could say it's it's an interesting place it is what it is, but it's uh Very very well run, and, you know, it's interesting. So, uh, anyway, uh, I wanted to ask Jerry, the Mueller report dropped, and we talked about that in our last episode. A lot of people listen to this on the archive, these on the archive, and they can kind of binge listen. So, back up one episode, and Jerry talked about the Mueller report. Post-Mueller report, I noticed, you noticed, that... Polls that were done uh, gauging, and they do this ongoing, President Trump's approval rating, it actually went down. Yeah, he took a hit. with. The, so what does that mean? And, and are Democrats now uh, smooth sailing ahead, clear skies?
1: What do um, you think? No, there, I thought of three things which could, could screw it up. I mean, based on what's going on now, uh, Trump should be defeated uh and in 2020 and the only if he's the issue he's defeated i mean even republicans uh i'm not talking about the the crazies but just people that have a tendency to vote republican anyone you talk to say yeah well trump's crazy but i didn't like hillary or trump's crazy but i like my tax break or whatever but Very few rational people are looking at Trump and saying this is what a president ought to be. I mean, would they even get that in interviews yet? No, I don't like everything Trump's doing, but I'm scared of the Democrats. Based on the election last year, 2018, which was good news for the Democrats, and it it looked like there really was a chance to get rid of Trump, uh, the Democrats— have basically two responsibilities as reflected in the last election. The first is to fulfill their agenda, which is uh, health care, economic relief for the non-wealthy, environmental protection. That's what they ran on. In fact, they kind of stayed away from the whole impeachment thing totally. They were afraid that wasn't a, a winner for them. And so they won on their agenda because... Every poll says what people are most concerned is their own health insurance, their own health care. You know, it's, it's a personal issue. And they see the other stuff as just a political thing. They care about who's going to take away their health care, who's going to give, you know, who's going to give the middle class some relief. You know, where are we going on the environment, particularly a younger generation? So that's the first thing, the lesson of the 2018 The Dems, you've got an agenda, stick with the agenda. And two, they also have a responsibility to defend the Constitution and the democratic principles uh, that are there to protect our principles against a criminal president. And that is a responsibility that it could well be argued you can't avoid just because you want to win the next election even though those of us who are Democrats are obviously concerned about winning the next election, there's also a responsibility that it's more than political. It's about our country. And if you have a runaway president who's becoming totalitarian, authoritarian, and committing crimes in, in plain view, at some point, whatever the consequences are, you have to say, we've got to put the brakes on. Otherwise, we basically laid out a framework whereby we can have a king. No one has to, no president ever has to obey the law again because we have stated very clearly that the president is above a law, is above the law. And that, of course, gets to be very dangerous. Now, the only way both responsibilities can be met of defending the Constitution and following through on the democratic agenda is by keeping Donald Trump the issue. If Trump is the issue, he loses. The polls now, he's dropped into the 30s. We have never, ever had a president in their first term that never once in the first two and a half years was above 50% approval rating. Never. In the first term, no president has ever been below 50% for the entire two and a half years in an approval rating first term. So this is historic in terms of how much Trump is not liked by the American people. So if you just keep Trump the issue, Democrats will win in 2020. But we Democrats have three opportunities to blow it, I would say. And sadly, there are often times that we find a way to do it. You know, this should be a slam-dunk election, but there are three ways I see that we can blow it. The first is a rush toward impeachment. Make no mistake, as the, uh, the, the rant I went on in the last show, is there are clearly grounds for obstruction of justice, abuse of power, And The abuse of power, remember, obstruction of justice and abuse of power was how we got rid of Nixon. The abuse of power is very important. No one is questioning that Trump has the authority to do some of the things he's been doing. He has the authority to fire a Mueller. He has the authority to fire an attorney general. He has the authority to do most of the things he's doing. It's the abuse of that authority It's using corrupt practices to thwart a lawful investigation. That's the abuse of power, and it's the abuse of power that he legitimately has that makes it an impeachable crime. So it's all there, but to rush to it now, the reason it probably doesn't work is, number one, obviously the political one is that he will... The Republican Senate won't vote to throw him out of office, so it's not going to be successful. Two, the length of time that it'll take is that it'll go all the way through to, you know, in less than eight months, the primaries are coming. Nine months away, you know? We're in or I mean, 2019 already. So the primaries are coming up once January hits, So that's how close we are. And, you know, to run impeachment when we're already having an election, there are going to be a lot of people that say, why are we going through this divisive thing for the country when we're going to be voting in a few months anyway? And that's how to get rid of Trump. And then you don't bring up the whole question of, should impeachment be used as a means of changing the result of an election, no matter how worthwhile it is, and no matter how illegitimate the president's election was. So that's the first way we can blow it if we suddenly just, we're impeaching, we're impeaching. That doesn't mean we don't hold hearings. It doesn't mean we don't continue to get more information on this Mueller report on and on for the whole year. There's no reason not to do it. We are going to hear it. Can you ask a question? Uh, go. Normally we don't, but you can ask a question and I'll repeat the question. The question was, because you're not on a mic, is is that why Pelosi is saying let's not rush to to, uh, impeachment? Yes, that's absolutely the reason, 100% the reason, is because it will look, if you don't have a chance of success, the impeachment vote, clearly he can be impeached, but that's just the indictment. The Senate then has to vote him out. And for the Senate to vote him out under the Constitution, you need two-thirds of the Senate, Well, since the Senate is mostly Republican, there's no conceivable way that uh, the Republican Senate in an election year is going to vote to get rid of the president. So if you know going in that you're not going to be successful, why not stick with the issues that you know the American people support you on? The Democratic agenda is supported overwhelmingly by the American people on everything, Social Security, Medicare health insurance, the environment, uh, uh, women's rights, uh, whatever the issue is, education, whatever it is, uh, gun legislation, gun safety, everything, a majority of the American people are on the Democrat side. And yet the structure we have set up is Republicans are often elected to office, even though most people vote Democrat, just like people overwhelmingly voted for Hillary Clinton by three million votes, which is close to a landslide. And yet, because of the Electoral College, she's not the president. So, yeah, that is the reason. Now, the second way the Dems can blow it, and it's unintentional, after the 2016 election, and the Sanders people were really upset They thought the party had rigged it towards Hillary. And uh, clearly, the party was more in favor of Hillary because Hillary's been a lifelong Democrat. Sanders wasn't a Democrat. He was an independent running in Democratic primaries. And, you know, loyalty means something. If you've devoted your whole career to a political party, the chances are the people in that party are going to have a relationship with you. So it wasn't shocking that the party was for um, Hillary. But a lot of young people were, and not just young people, were for Sanders, because he has incredibly interesting ideas, and I think helpful ideas. But these, a lot of the Sanders people, even though Sanders came over and supported Hillary then when she was the nominee, a lot of the Sanders people didn't. They were unenthusiastic. They stayed home in some key states, and that was enough to give the Electoral College to, um, uh, to Trump. So what they did, they wanted to change the rule. The Democratic Party, after the 2016 convention, changed the rules of the party. And this year, if the candidate, we have 20 candidates running in the Democratic primaries. And the delegates are going to be divided based on the percentage they get in each of these primary states. It's not going to be winner take all. So in that system, it is almost mathematically impossible that by the end of the primaries in this uh, next year, June, no candidate will have 50% of the vote, not with 20 candidates in there. And even if it gets cut down to um, 10 or 5, there's no way you get 50% because each each primary, you're going to have to split up the delegates. That means... There has to be deal-making at the convention. Well, with all those candidates, you know some of those candidates are going to be unhappy or the people are going to be unhappy. And it's not just one person like Sanders. This time it could be a bunch of supporters for various candidates deciding to sit it out. My candidate didn't come through, or at least my candidate in the left wing of the party or the middle wing of the party or the more conservative part of the party. My candidate didn't make it, I'm out of there, I'm staying home. So we're going to have a divided Democratic Party. Trump's party is not going to be divided. It doesn't look like he's going to have a serious candidate running against him in the Republican primaries. So as small as his group is, they're solid for him. We're going to have a divided Democratic Party up again, which gives Trump another way to sneak through with less than 50% of the vote, as he did in the last election. That's my second worry. Again, it's a change the Democrats made with good intentions, but we're gonna pay the price of changing the rules. And finally, I think a way that the Dems could blow it, oh, and this is gonna get people objecting to it, but the American people love the policies of our political left. Truthfully, if you put just the policies up with no labels, they would vote for almost everything Sanders is saying. They would vote for almost everything Elizabeth Warren is saying. There is no question America has moved to the left if you don't put any labels on it. I am not convinced, though, if you let Trump, let's say Sanders is the candidate and he's along with it looks like Biden leading in the polls. If you let Trump spend the entire campaign said, are you willing to vote for a socialist, which is the label he will put on Sanders, who will or will not decide to embrace it. But Trump, it doesn't matter what Sanders says. Trump is going to call him socialist, socialist, socialist. That label, even though people really like those policies, they don't like that name. It scares them. They read communism. They read that government's taking over. They, mean we're not, they think it means we're not going to have private property anymore. And that fear, totally unfounded, totally absurd, could be enough to give Trump a handle to sneak through and again win the election with less than 50% of the vote. Those are my fears. Those are the three ways the Democrats could blow it. Rushing to impeachment, the new rules, which will get us a chaotic convention, which we're going to have to pray the losers can rally behind whoever the candidate is. And finally, I'm afraid, and I hope I'm wrong, and maybe in the next few months I'm going to change my mind because we'll see people's attitudes have shifted But until I'm convinced that people aren't going to be scared by the label socialist, we needn't get into a debate whether or not Bernie or Elizabeth Warren are socialists. It's whether Trump calls them that. We have to measure what that label will do. And if that label cuts the Democratic vote or gets some people to stay home, we could lose.
0: Alright, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to bring Jericho Woods back up on today's podcast. We're happy to have them back. Again, they're from Breckenridge County, Kentucky, and we're we're voted Kentucky's favorite performing band by Kentucky Living Magazine, 2016, 17, and 18, as we talked about last time on the podcast.
1: Breckenridge Um, ran for president against Lincoln. Yeah. 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 Sorry I asked a question. No, no, because you you made me focus. Very good. I was listening. We're gonna double the pay you're getting for being here. <laughs> that, awesome.
0: Well, you guys, welcome back. Thanks for coming back on Thank the podcast. You. Um, tell us a little bit about the song that you're gonna play for us tonight.
3: Okay, so the last time we were on your podcast, we sang like a real serious, like you know, very intentional song. Uh, this time, so we used to in our little town of irvington the the city council had allowed us to use the old library as a practice space and right behind the practice space um uh, was mexican restaurant so we would practice as you know as practices went on over weeks we practiced less and less and spend more and more time at the at the mexican <laughs> restaurant and uh and there's a particular night of the week that's like dollar margaritas, and you know. So anyway, I'm not sure if that's where this song came from, but definitely <laughs> margaritas played a role, and in, and uh, in, uh, it's called Miss Divine, and uh, essentially it's about a guy from Kentucky who's out working, and he ends up in El Paso, and you know, dark haired lady, dark eyes, and you know, and probably some Jose Cuervo. Yeah, and uh, so anyway. Uh, but he comes back to Kentucky, and he's and he probably misses that uh that little Latin love he had down there in Texas. So anyway, Miss Divine, did your wife call you on this song too? <laughs> All right, so so every so every time I write a song that that has any kind of uh, you know, it's like, can't I be imaginative? Can not I just have yeah? yeah. Something? Like, <laughs> no, can I just you know, you can't. think of a story and write a song about it? Yeah, I use that
4: too. <laughs> uh,
3: uh, I wasn't even a songwriter. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, you may have to be my lawyer after
4: this. (laughs) I'd stopped in Old El Paso, coming down from Tennessee. When I saw a dark eyed lady staring cross and bar at me, so I pulled a chair beside her. Those services, por favor. table in the eyes of every man singing seven Spanish changes.
1: creativity. I mean it, it, it's both of, yeah it is just the variety just in this song the one you did last week it's yep.
3: I, but that's kind of dangerous too what's
1: talent like
2: <laughs> <laughs> actual talent but it's yeah. just
3: but music is just as political yeah as sure. as you know government so yeah. it's like if you dare to kind of move around like what are you what genre are you, yeah, you know, sure. what music do you subscribe to and you know, so we've had a hard time we don't live near a big city we're out in the middle of nowhere yeah. so we don't have a scene mm-hmm. and uh, you know and, and I like this type of music and I like that type of music and Anna plays all sorts of different types of music and Paul was in a bluegrass band or he toured with the Osborne brothers you know so yeah. it's like wow. we've got all these different things so I do not want to write a song that sounds just like the last one we wrote. Yeah. yeah. But the danger of that is, is like, are you outlaw country or are yeah. you modern country yeah. or you yeah. pop country? Or, people
0: want you to like put you. It's in a just box as
3: divisive for
0: the easiness. Yeah, of it, that's you a good know. point.
3: And uh, so anyway, so you just do what you want, and uh, <laughs> people either come watch it or they don't. And uh,
0: well, and, we love it. <laughs>
3: you know, yeah. and, I, and I love this podcast.
0: I'm, I'm trying to th-
3: appreciate
2: that. I'm trying to think what artists th- that are at the Highest level throughout history, throughout recent history, who have dared to get into different styles? Dylan. Uh, Dylan was oh, one. Bobby Dylan. I mean, Gary think
1: about it. Going yeah. way back. As soon as you change, change. Speed, Dylan was booed off the stage yeah. in Nuremberg. Yeah.
3: I, you know, and I study all that too. It, yeah. It, and you know, it, it, where I we talked earlier, where I taught school before. And uh but like the year and a half leading up that talking everybody into this is a good idea for me to quit my really yeah. stable yeah. job, you know, I was it was a study and all these people who had done those things, yeah. you know, done mm-hmm. just exactly that, had kind of said bucked the system and did their thing yeah. and and uh you know, at the end of the day it's like you if if something comes into your head, you really just have to kind of roll with it and uh and try not to get in that spot where you're like, What do I have to do to this song? To make it fit the thing that you know, instead of just letting it be the song, and uh, Mm -hmm. and I'm old enough now. Like I'm out of the cool kid game. Like
1: it's like it is what it it is. Right? Yeah. Good for you though. I mean, this I ran into the same thing when I left country music and went to opera. (laughs) (laughs) People were ticked off. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. It, was,
4: it was it was. They ugly. were ticked off. You
1: were singing it, opera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, that's yeah. It. yeah. It, it, it was ugly. No, you are. You guys really are excellent. Great, Not just yeah. good. They're, they're you're cool. excellent. You're great. You're great. We love come back here.
0: You guys, again. This is Jericho Woods for those of you out there listening. Yeah. Um, something that we love to be able to do is is give musicians that come through. Um, a platform to talk about where fans who listen to this podcast can hear you guys. I know you. by the time this podcast airs, I think you'll have your new album out.
3: Yes. Where one, can... one Perfect Sound. It'll be on all the different platforms. And uh, and you can find it on uh, JerichoWoodsBand.com. And that's awesome. J-E-R-I-C-H-O, just like in the Bible. Yep. And JerichoWoodsBand.com.
0: Awesome. Will you take us out on uh oh yeah down by the river our
3: pleasure <laughs> well
1: wait wait and, and we really
3: are by the river I like yeah we popped the hill you I'm said like, oh, will really you
1: take on. us out he's married
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh she's not listening she's over she's over me <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: she's got the kids She's busy. yeah yeah <laughs> all right you ready
4: let's go <laughs> I'm gonna live my heavis
0: and Tom Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song,
4: and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com.